The evil of corruption reaches into every corner of the world. Corruption lies at the heart of the most urgent problems we face. Welcome to Confidential Brief, where Chad Thomas takes you into the stories behind the issues facing our society. A word from our sponsor. Confidential Brief is proudly brought to you by Rubber Roofs, the trusted name in roof waterproofing. If you're tired of getting contractors in to fix your leaky roof, only to find out that your roof still leaks, well then it's time to sort that leak out for good. Rubber Roofs manufacture and apply the rubber paint to your roof. Your roof will look great and won't leak anymore. Rubber Roofs offer a 10-year warranty. Rubber Roofs is the trusted name in roof waterproofing. You can find out more about our sponsor at www.rubberroofs.co.za. A very good afternoon to you. It is the 13th of uh, February 2023. Time is flying. I can't believe we're halfway through the second month of the new year. It's just past 12, past it's just past 10, past 12 on this uh, rainy Monday morning here in Johannesburg. It's been quite a week, and um, even though it's a Monday, I'm feeling so very tired, just trying to take in everything that's happening around us. Um, last week's Sona dress was, as per usual, chaos for the first 40 minutes, and it actually escalated with the EFF storming the stage and then complaining bitterly thereafter why they were removed by the Presidential Protection Unit. Well, he is the president. You don't rush the stage where the president is standing. It's just the way it is. And there are other ways to address issues. And it's just, to me, a lot of grandstanding. Much the same as the president's speech, to be very honest. The EFF grandstand through their violence and their their outspokenness. And our president just grandstands with promises that never seem to, to be realized. Before we start today's show, I want to ask you a question. You can SMS us on 34519, send us a telegram on 0618951019 or tweet at HiFM. My question relates to this. 33 years ago, Nelson Mandela was released from prison after 27 years for his role in fighting apartheid. If you look at the pictures of him leaving prison, you'll see that to the left of the photograph is a very young Sul Ramaphosa. Did Ramaphosa foresee his future role in SA and despite the freedom and abundance of resources that our beautiful country would sink into the depths of unemployment, into the depravity of corruption and organized crime and become the country with the worst disparity between the haves and the have-nots? I don't know. I need to know from you. Send us your answers or your your comments um, on this. How do we resurrect the dream of Madiba or is it too late? I'd like to remind you the views expressed on the show aren't necessarily those of Chai FM. Confidential Brief is proudly brought to you by Rubber Roofs, the trusted name in roof waterproofing. It was widely reported this weekend that South African music artist AKA was shot and killed. AKA was ranked as one of the African continent's top five musical, musical artists. Murder for Hire is most definitely out of control in South Africa. We've seen whistleblowers assassinated, countless politicians taken out, taxi bosses killed, the capture of the national soccer team murdered, and now another well-known musician has been gunned down. I want to spend today chatting a little bit about contract killers, hitmen, assassins. All of these words um, conjure up this this image of these guys that are hired. That's exactly what it is. It's it's murder for hire. People who who give up their abilities to the biggest bidder to be able to go out and kill people. 
The term assassin is not a new term. In fact, it's over a thousand years old. The assassins originally called the Hashashim were a religious sect of the Shia Muslims. And they originated in Persia during the 10th and 11th centuries. It was a secret society and they were known as a group put together to terrorize the crusaders. And that word has changed over the years and it's now the word we all know so well, assassin. But South Africa even has a word for assassins. Um, it's a word that comes from um, Zulu, and uh, it's 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 an interesting word. It, it's it's a word called inkabi, I N K A B I, inkabi. It's a Zulu term for an assassin or hitman. In other words, a person who's hired to kill another person or even a group of people. It's a term that's very popular in KwaZulu Natal. And it's been found in various studies as well as in court cases where arrests have been made on the rare occasion that the majority of hit, hitmen actually originate from KwaZulu-Natal. And although many of the hits take place in KwaZulu-Natal, they're now exporting this service throughout South Africa. It's a frightening phenomenon. In fact, there's a infamous hostel in Amlazi known as the Gleblins Hostel where hitmen are trained. They are brought in from rural areas. They trained, and they brought in from specific clans. They are a lot of the times family members, and they were originally used to settle disputes between different clans, different families. I don't know if you remember that term from the 80s and early 90s, faction fighting. Well, this was different factions of the Zulu nation settling scores, and some of those scores took generations to settle. I remember um, just before the advent of democracy when we were working on the East Rand in Johannesburg as well as in central Johannesburg in the hostile areas that a lot of the hits that we saw weren't politically motivated. They were settling of family scores and you would see that people would travel up from KZN to take out people in Johannesburg. And we're now seeing these assassins, these Kabi, being used throughout South Africa. But why am I discussing hitmen and assassins today? Well, it's not just because of what happened this weekend with AKA, a, a multi-award um, winning and, and multi-platinum selling music artist. Um, this is a, a fascinating story on its own if one wants to delve into it. AKA um, has been not very far from controversial, the last, controversy rather the last couple of years. Um, his fiance, um, purportedly jumped to her death some two years ago. The family of 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 her are, are residents of KwaZulu Natal. Her father himself is what some would refer to as a tycoon. Um, it's a Zulu family, it's a very well known family. And of course the rumor mill is in overdrive that AKA was told at times that he must never go to KwaZulu Natal. He would be out of his comfort zone. It would be very dangerous for him to go there. Of course the family have come out very strongly and they've said, we've had nothing to do with it. In fact, Anneli Temba's dad, Anneli is the lady who purportedly jumped to her death from the hotel in Cape Town, has issued his condolences to the family and said that this is actually a problem for him because although he's always doubted that his daughter committed suicide, he was hoping for a court case. He was hoping for an inquest. He was hoping that there'd be an opportunity for AKA to speak about this. Well, that's a story on its own. When we come back, we're going to be covering more about hits, assassinations, murder for hire, contract killings that have taken place in South Africa the last few years. And we're going to see what's been done about it by the state. 
Confidential Brief is proudly brought to you by Rubber Roofs, the trusted name in roof waterproofing. Today we're chatting about assassinations, we're talking about murder for hire, contract killings and hitmen, something that seems to have enveloped South Africa. It's something that we speak about on a regular basis and we're seeing so much more of it. A couple of weeks ago, in fact, there was an assassination of another well-known DJ. His name was DJ Somebody, and there was an assassination of another artist called Musa Ma R5. But the shooting recently in Johannesburg, um, and I, I, I speak under correction, I think it was at the news cafe in Woodmead, um, that sparked a, a massive interest in these, these murders for hire. But these are musical artists, and I'm hoping that this spark of interest can actually become something of an investigation, something of a turning point for our authorities. Maybe they'll reach a point where these murders will start being taken a lot more seriously. When we talk about political killings, I'm not sure whether the listener understands and the public at large understands just how bad political killings are in South Africa. When one looks at the amount of ward councillors killed in the last 10 years, the figure is over a 1,000. It's primarily in KwaZulu-Natal, but it's an all-out war, and it's not factions from different political parties. It's factions within the same political parties where somebody's lower down on a list and wants to go higher on a list so they can eventually get that position as ward councillor because with it isn't just a salary but the decision-making on who gets tenders. Then we had the horrific assassination of veteran police officer Colonel Charles Kinnear, whose job it was was to investigate gangland killings, and he himself became a victim of these gangland killings. We see a massive trial taking place in Cape Town at the moment where there's a multitude of people from across the religious and business spectrum standing trial side by side, accused of murdering gangsters, steroid um, suppliers, drug dealers, you name it, they're in there. They're in the dock. And it's just a very frightening phenomena because we hear about the gangsters that are getting killed. We heard about the untimely death of um, Colonel Shalkanir. We've seen now this this assassination, and there's video footage during the rounds on social media of how AKA was murdered this weekend. But we don't hear about some of the others. For example, there was there was a guy that was killed in a hit yesterday. In fact, last night. His name was Ayob Mungali, and he was an anti-corruption and anti-gang activist based in El Dorado Park. That area has been plagued by gang violence, and he, at 60 years of age, went out. He 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 was wanting to see a difference. He was vocal, and he's now been gunned down. And so many other people have been gunned down in South Africa in different kinds of killings. The killings that we're seeing are killings targeted at politicians, killings targeted at taxi owners, killings targeted at people that we now refer to as revenge killings. One looks at the Dr. Munshi assassination. That took place in our neighborhood. It took place on Sylvia's Pass coming down towards Orange Grove. Dr. Munshi was murdered in cold blood, and one of the theories that's been floated is that it was a revenge killing because somebody died on the operating table that he was participating in that particular operation. 
And we now see AKA being taken out. And again, the rumor mill is in overdrive saying it's in retaliation for the death of his late fiancée who purportedly jumped to her death. But what about the whistleblowers? What about Babita Diokaran? She was assassinated on the 23rd of August um, in 2021. She was returning home after dropping her daughter off at school. Marumo Eric Pena, he was murdered in October of 2022, also returning home from dropping his children at school. Both of them shared something in common. They were whistleblowers. They had blown the whistle on massive corruption. Marumo had blown the whistle on corruption that was occurring within the Department of Home Affairs, and Babita had exposed massive corruption that was occurring within the Department of Health in our, our very province, Gauteng. We talk about the murders of so many well-known individuals, and um, people that were involved in the in the underworld, people that were involved in the casino game, people that were involved in sport. Mark Batchelor was taken out. Cyril Beek, one of the most well-known gangsters in South African history with links to the intelligence community, was taken out. Raymond Barris, very popular amongst the Bedford View scene, was taken out. Yuri Ulyansky, the, the Russian, was taken out. George Mialovich, known as Hollywood George, um, he used to run one of the Salon Privés, one of the top casinos in the country. He was taken out. So many people have been taken out in hits in South Africa. We We talk about it. We express dismay. There's a lot that gets said. And then it goes quiet. Everybody was talking about justice for Babita. Well, where's the justice for Babita? Justice for Marumo. Well, where's the justice for Marumo? We are just seeing people becoming more brazen. And it is so easy to now engage the services of a contract killer, a hitman, a murderer for hire. Just the thought of it, it, it's repulsive that you can actually go out there and find somebody who knows somebody who will be able to introduce you to a hitman. And who knows what they pay. I heard that the going rate for somebody that's not too well known was 40 grand. And that can go all the way up to maybe a million bucks if it's somebody that is well known. That, that's sick. The fact that we are talking on radio that there's a value put to somebody's life and you can go out and with not too much hassle make the arrangements for somebody's life to be snuffed out. Just like that. The fact that we have a term in South Africa, a local term for assassins, Nkabi, that is so worrying. There are so many of them. It happens so often that we have a term for an assassin in South Africa, in Kabi. What is wrong with our country? What is wrong with the fact that when in Kabi are caught, they don't really care. They don't say very much. They don't point to who their masters are. They don't say who paid them to pull the trigger. They just basically shrug their shoulders, get sentenced. Their families get looked after while they're inside, and invariably they're out. Invariably. You don't see true life sentences in South Africa. A life sentence at the most is 20, 25 years. Most of the time the guys will get 15 years. They'll serve a portion of their sentence. Out they'll come, whether it's through corruption, good behavior, who knows. But I can tell you now, many of the Nkabi roaming the street have been inside before. Let me know your opinion on the Nkabi, on assassinations, on hitmen, murder for hire, contract killing. 
It's something that's rocking our country. It's something that I'm going to be discussing a little bit more after the break. First of all, though, if you do want to communicate with us, send us an SMS, 34519, Telegram, 061-895-1019, or tweet us at FM. Confidential Brief is proudly brought to you by Rubber Roofs, the trusted name in roof waterproofing. We just listened to Stop Children, What's That Sound by Buffalo Springfield. What's so very sad in this whole scenario regarding hitmen, murder for hire, contract killers, assassinations, is that there are those that are left behind. Um, Charles Kinnear left behind a family. Um, AKA this weekend left behind a seven year old daughter. Um, Eric, um, Marumo Pena, when he was coming back, um, and got killed, was coming back from dropping his kids at school. The same with Babita. She was shot after dropping her children at school. It's just unbelievable. Gail sends us the special. She says, Chad, are assassins mentally challenged or brainwashed? It can't be normal to lead that type of life and belief system. I don't know whether they mentally challenged or brainwashed. I don't know whether all of us are, to a certain extent, brainwashed or just numb by the sheer amount of violence that we've been faced with in our country the past few decades. It's it's unbelievable. You know, somebody gets robbed at their home. You say, was somebody hurt or somebody raped or somebody murdered? If the answer is no, everybody goes, thank God for that. You know, we shouldn't be getting, being victims of, 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 of home invasions in the first place. And we shouldn't be breathing sighs of relief. We pay a fortune in tax. We pay a fortune to security companies. And what are we getting? Are we getting bang for our buck? Or is that the wrong term to use? Because there's definitely a lot of bangs going on around us. No, we're not getting bang for our buck. We're not getting looked after. I want to quote from an article that came out from Defense Web. It says, a big question is whether President Surama poses much anticipated cabinet reshuffle will make citizens any safer or impact policing in any way. Since his election in 2018, there have been few signs that Ramaphosa takes the spiraling murder rate seriously, nor has he acknowledged the crisis in SAPs illustrated by the 55% drop since 2012 in the police's ability to solve murders. Let's, let's just unpack that. Murders increased by 62% in the last decade. But in the last decade, the detection ability by SAPs has dropped by a massive 55%. So not just do you have an increase in murders, but you have a decrease in detection rates. So per capita, 2021-2022, per capita, we are going through a phase of 42 murders per 100,000 people per day. And that's the highest since 2003 when the murder rate was 43 for every 100,000 citizens. So we're now at the worst place we've ever been. So we, we're the same. You know, we spoke about in 2003 how bad murder was. Well, we're back in that, posi- in, in that position. And in the last 10 years, it's increased by a whopping 62% with a 55% drop in detection rates. This is frightening stuff. You know, I, I, I listened to Sona. Um, load shedding kicked in during the um, six to eight, so we missed the whole fracas and 
the unrest within Parliament when the EFF went onto the stage and when load shedding ended and I switched the television on, the president was actually getting into his speech. So load shedding, I would have missed the speech thanks to the EFF's fracas. I got to see most of the speech. And listening and watching the president speak, I didn't get a sense of urgency from him. He spoke about a lot of things that he speaks about very often. He spoke about GBV. He spoke about the electricity crisis, says that we're going to have a minister of electricity in the presidency. It's a very strange thing to say because the minister of electricity will not have anything to do with Eskom because that falls under the minister of public enterprises. And it seems like everybody's attention is focused around Eskom and its failings. And we're forgetting that people are dropping dead around us like flies and that murder for hire is on the increase. Let's not even talk or factor in the fraud and the corruption which we've spoken about on this particular forum. I've been here, this is my 10th year on Chai FM, and for 10 years we've spoken about fraud and corruption, what needs to be done to make a difference. We've had every expert in studio, from investigative journalists through to generals in the police, through to researchers. We've had everybody here. We know what needs to be done, but nothing seems to be happening. And I don't know if you can hear it in my voice today, but I'm tired, I'm frustrated, I feel overwhelmed. And I don't know whether it was because of this murder this past weekend of AKA. I don't know if it's because this weekend was the 33rd anniversary of the release of Mandela from prison, which brought with it so much in the form of dreams and aspirations for this wonderful democratic South Africa or the, the term that Tutu phrased, this rainbow nation of ours, whether looking there thinking to myself, what would, what would Mandela think? What would he say if he saw what was going on? Seeing Ramaphosa in that picture with him as he left the gates of Victor Fastair prison, thinking to myself, did he know he would one day lead this country? What was his plans? Listening to the speech and not seeing that sense of urgency, not hearing that declaration of war against criminals in this country. I must remind you, like I always do on the show, that I don't think the state is serious. And why do I say that? There's hardworking cops, there's hardworking prosecutors, but they can't do the job without the support and the political willpower. They can't do it without the infrastructure, without capacity. I've mentioned recently on air that the Hawks get 2% of the annual police budget. That's 2% of the police budget that they get to investigate priority crimes. 2%. Whereas conversely, VIP protection gets 3% of the police budget. So if you're a VIP, more money is allocated to the VIP protection unit than is allocated to the unit that is meant to be investigating serious and violent crimes in our country. I don't know. We've lost track of our priorities. We're going through a phase that if we don't do something now, we're not going to be able to overcome this. We are going to be a failed state. We are going to be a mafia state. We'll continue the conversation after this. Confidential Brief is proudly brought to you by Rubber Roofs, the trusted name in roof waterproofing. If you're tuning in now, we're chatting about murder for hire, contract killings, hitmen, assassins, or as they are called in South Africa, Inkabi, I-N-K-A-B-I, Inkabi. The fact that we have 
a name specifically given to assassins in South Africa is of such concern to me. We've all heard the term contract killer. We've all watched the mafia movies with assassins, with hitmen. But now we've got a homegrown term because it's so common, whether it's whistleblowers, whether it's politicians, whether it's gangsters, whether it's police officers, whether it's musicians, it is rife. I spoke about how murders have increased in the last decade by 62% and detection rates have dropped 55%. Annualized projections based on SAP statistics from April to September 2022 indicate that in 2022-2023 um, statistics that the annual murder rate may well be over 44 murders per 100,000 people. That will mean that during the 2022-2023 period, which we are currently in, we are now at the worst we've ever been when it comes to murders in South Africa. We are over 44 murders per 100, per 100,000 people. That in effect means that South Africa has one of, if not one of the highest murder rates in the world, and that's at least for countries that are not at war. And there's reliable data that comes out of war zones. We know how many people are dying in Syria. We know how many people are dying um, in Ukraine. We're not at war. Or are we? Or should we be? Well, let's look at that. We're not at war, yet we've got the highest murder rate. Um, our The rate of murders or deaths in South Africa by unnatural violent means is higher than that of a war zone. So maybe we should be at war. Maybe instead of declaring a national disaster in respect of Eskom, which in itself is so problematic, it's another conversation we can have another day because we have spoken about this countless times, but maybe we should have a state of disaster in respect of crime. We don't talk about CRT robberies anymore, ATM bombings. When ATM bombings first started, it was like, wow, they, they're actually bombing ATMs. When CRT robberies were taking place and we saw the videos coming out, we were like, wow, now there's three or four videos a day. If you follow crime groups, there's an ATM bombing happening, you know, most mornings. It's becoming second nature. Gail asked the question earlier, are assassins mentally challenged or brainwashed? No, no, they, they numb. They don't care what they do. It's like we are becoming numb, and we shouldn't be becoming numb. We shouldn't be at this place in our lives where we allow for murder and mayhem to rule. We are so nervous leaving our homes. We've created fortresses. We're hiring security officers with paramilitary training to look after us, to escort us home at night to be there when we open and close our businesses, and we are the fortunate ones. We can afford private security. We can afford to live in suburbia where there are regular patrols, not by the police, but by the private sector. But what about those people that can't afford it, those that are suffering the absolute most? When one looks at murder statistics, it's not in suburbia. It's in informal settlements. It's in townships. They are the people that are suffering the absolute worst they don't live in fortresses. They don't have private security patrolling their streets. They live in absolute fear. We are living in fear, but what are we doing for our fellow South Africans? What are we doing for all South Africans? And we can turn around and say it's the job of government, and you'd be right in saying it's the job of government, but what are we doing to spur government on? 
What are we doing each and every election cycle? We're in an election cycle. 2024 is a national election. Are we going to register? Because you know how many people I speak to say, oh, why should I vote? My vote means nothing. Of course it means something. It's that apathy that's causing this problem. We know that we're moving towards coalition government. We know that we, we on a national basis. We've seen it on a localized level. And in the next general election, we're going to see it on a provincial and national level. But we can't move towards a strong coalition unless we are voting, unless each and every one of us is doing our civic duty and pushing government to declare a war on crime. I, for one, don't understand why there hasn't been a war declared on crime. I'm somebody who spends most of my days during the week engaging with police officers, engaging with prosecutors, and understanding how hard they work, the challenges they face, the sheer number of cases they have, the little infrastructure that they've got, and the few people they have to support them, which is why you will never, ever hear me blaming the police or blaming the prosecutorial authority. I blame those that control the purse strings. I blame those that are in the position who can make a decision to make a difference. Right now, 2% of the police budget goes towards the Hawks. The Hawks are only 49% capacitated. And that's not a statistic I sucked out of nowhere. That is a statistic given by the head of the Hawks himself, General Godfrey LeBeer. He says we've only filled 49% of our posts. And they're only receiving 2% of the police budget. Remember that. So what do we do? How do we force the hand of government? People are talking about a tax revolution. We can't do that. We, we, we can't break the law to uphold the law. We have to find answers. If you have answers, if you have suggestions, how we can voice what I'm trying to say today in this overwhelmed, saddened state I find myself in after listening to a pathetic State of the Nation address last week Thursday, after hearing about the murder of a well-known musician over the weekend and then seeing that some people were celebrating the 33 years since Mandela was released. And I was thinking to myself, but what are they celebrating? He had a dream. He had so much aspirations for our country. Yet that dream died. When did it die? Did it die in 1999 when he stepped down? Did it die in 2009? Did it die a couple of years before that Polokwane at the ANC conference? Did it die when we just all shrugged our shoulders and didn't give a damn anymore? I don't know. But the dream seems to be dying. And if that dream dies completely, well, then we're in trouble. We are in trouble. What are we going to do to make a difference? Is our vote going to make a difference next year? I sincerely hope so. There's not much left for us to do. We live in our little fortresses. We have private security patrolling. We live in fear that we don't get followed. We live in fear that we don't get robbed. We live in fear that there's no home invasion. Our fellow South Africans are living in the same fear, but they don't have the protection that we have in suburbia. When are we going to come together, bridge that divide, hold hands, make a difference? And I'm not talking about singing Kumbaya, I'm talking about making a real definitive difference. Because I think that's the problem. I think that this disparity between the haves and the have-nots isn't just financial, it's also mental. There's mental challenges. We don't accept one another. We don't accept everybody 
the way we should be accepted. We're not accepting of the fact that our country is in dire need of help. Thank you so much for joining me today. Today was was hard. It's it's a difficult conversation that that had to be had, and it was going to be strictly around assassins, hitmen, contract killers, inkabi as they called locally. But there's so much more to it because they are allowed to operate because our country is in such a poor state, whether it's corruption, whether it's apathy, whether it's lack of political willpower. Our authorities don't have the necessary tools to fight this. We can't go around blaming the authorities if they don't have the tools. Let's figure out a way. Talk to me. Contact me. Go to the Confidential Brief um, page on Facebook. Call me at my office. Um, It's very easy to find me. Come up with some solutions. Let's work together. Let's try make a difference before it's too late. My name is Chad Thomas. Confidential Brief was proudly brought to you by Rubber Roofs, the trusted name in roof waterproofing.